In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with both co-hosts. I'm here with Jack Duffin. What, buddy? And Ian Right, Right, Right. Ian, how are you, sir? I'm here, baby. 60 degrees in Chicago. I'm feeling good. I got my Chelsea gear on. Everybody's happy. 60 degrees, that is in English terms. Uh, 35-ish. No, that's really hot. Was well, it that high? I don't know. 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Guys, if you listen to the show and you've got a calculator, please let us know what hey, it is. Hey, Siri. Please mute it while you're talking to Siri. What is Celsius for 60 degrees Fahrenheit? Guys, today we're going to be talking... 60 degrees of... Fahrenheit is 15.6 degrees Celsius. <laughs> wow. There we go. 15, deg- 15 degrees Celsius. We're off the rails already. <laughs> we're going to start off the show by talking about the Combine. So first of all, Jack... How much have you been following the Combine this year? Uh, I've been listening to PFF's 2 for 1 Draft podcast. Uh, I've been listening to Stick to Football podcast and listening to Daniel Jeremiah's podcast. Um, And that's it. I really don't care. Um, I've read some in-depth coverage from um, Kevin Cole, who's been on the show a couple of times. Absolutely fantastic. Works for PFF. Just looking at which uh, drills actually matter and which ones the teams get really excited on. So there's two important things to look at because it's not just what matters and doesn't. It's what matters to teams because if a team's going to draft someone higher because they measured well in a particular drill, that's something you need to be aware of as a team um, when going forward. So there's some really, really fascinating draft coverage out there from PFF that I've enjoyed. But quite frankly, I don't really care. And why don't you care so much, mate? Because... It doesn't really change that much. The quick players run quick, but if you really wanted to know, you could have watched their tape. The slow players run slow. Um, Basically, it's just proving what has been out there for uh, the rest of the year and everything they've had on tape in college. And that, what difference does it really make that someone runs 0.02 seconds quicker than someone else? Um, Yeah, and meh. It's my general feeling to it all. Um, we'll see what happens, but the thing is the gossip that starts coming out, which we'll talk about some bit later, but it's basically the unofficial start of free agency when agents are talking to teams and deals start getting done. Ian, how much of the combine you've been watching? You know, I have actually had it on um, with them switching it now over here in the States to being kind of in a prime time, starting at four, going till about eight, nine, ten o'clock out here in central time zone. I've had it on um, to Jack's point. A lot of these teams know kind of how fast these guys are. They can see on tape. Now, there are some guys like uh, Jalen Rager who kind of was bulkier and a little slower than people thought. So you'll see one offs where guys don't run what they play or they don't play what they run. 
So it gives teams a little bit of a measure there. But the, all the people out there that are like so shocked, like the guy that I've been in love with for a while, Isaiah Simmons, he goes out and runs the numbers that everybody has already seen on tape. So the most important part for the combine, which was really the player interviews and the medicals, we don't get to see any of that stuff. So it's good. It gives you some exposure to these maybe day two, day three guys. Um, you know, you fall in love with some stories. But to Jack's point, I mean, most of the teams are already confirming what they know. It's more kind of a media thing. That's why this year has been a lot different. With them changing the format, there hasn't been as much gossip behind the scenes. You haven't got as many leaks as you normally would. Um, but the general resounding thing in, from what the people I've talked to in India is they don't like it because they're not getting any, any gossip. Gossip sells. And um, what's your views today on uh, who do you think the Browns are going to go with with their first pick, Jack? Well, I, I felt pretty good on feeling Tristan Wirfs was going to be the guy, but with how he's performed, I think he might be gone. Um, and that wouldn't surprise me. So it, it, we're still at sort of five offensive tackles in that group. I don't want Beckton, not because Beckton's not going to be good. He just doesn't fit the wide zone scheme that they're looking to run. Um, nothing's really changed. I still think it's a bit too early to start digging into what we can do day two, day three. Um, once you get free agency out of the way, then that's where we can start digging deeper. But for me, it's going to be an offensive tackle at one. And all this talk we've heard from like Mary Kay, of they're going to invest heavily on the O-line. I think she's missing what she's actually being told. So investing heavily does not mean cap dollar. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Investing sort of a one and two pick is nearly as expensive as investing sort of 15 million into a player, 10 million into another player, because you're expecting someone to perform to that level. Obviously, their cap hit is not going to be as high, but that's because they're on rookie controlled deals. Um, but it's one that, yeah, we're going to invest heavily in the offensive tackle position. If you want an offensive tackle, there's one place to get it, and that's the draft. And uh, what's your view on it, Ian? You know, when it comes to that number 10 pick, I'm just going to tell Browns fans, you better start preparing. You're either going to trade back or the guy that you want is going to be gone. Because to Jack's point, people value the offensive tackle position. And, you know, I'm not all that – keen on us drafting an offensive tackle there if they trade back and get the guy they want him a little bit more on board but you know everybody's talking about all these generational tackles and all this other stuff well my question is if these guys exist why would they last till 10 the Jaguars have been mocked to take Isaiah Simmons for the last however long well they need offensive tackle the Cardinals signed DJ Humphreys so that kind of put a little bit of a need because they knew they could probably put money elsewhere but if that's the case and one of these guys is perennial, why wouldn't you take a right tackle like Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs and put him on the right? Carolina Panthers need offensive line. The Chargers need off. All these teams ahead of us need offensive linemen. And the Jets, if they can't get Jack Conklin in free agency, who's to say they're not going to jump up and trade up to get one of these guys because everybody and their mother knows that the Browns need offensive line? Well, if, if we're looking at the numbers, there's only three QBs going in the top by the time we pick. So that's three of the picks gone. You've got a top-edge prospect in Chase Young, so that's four players gone. 
And then let's look. Teams are stupid. We had a running back taking number two overall in the draft. Nah, you're not going to have one running back. Not no, one no. running back in the first round this year. What I'm saying, if you're going, oh, teams will only pick value if this player's worth it, they'll pick it. They're stupid. You've got to understand that these people who are GMs are not there. It's not a meritocracy where the cream is rising to the top no. of the elite decision makers. So it's one of them that we're talking five offensive tackle prospects plus three QBs, an edge prospect. There's a defensive tackle that people like. Isaiah Simmons people like. Don't know if how many sort of wide receivers, or if any, will go in there just because it's so loaded and they can get one on day two. Um, in terms of the top 10. You might even see a fourth QB go that early with how desperate teams are. So one of them is definitely there, but 100%. Uh, you You're know not going to get the top guy. And that's the no, point no, with no, me no, is no. you need I've to never get said the that. guy you want. And the one thing that the Browns seem to run into is we never seem to have the fortune or benefits that, say, the Steelers do. Man, I remember the year David DeCastro was the number one guard. He was the highest-rated guy. He was a 99 on every scale. And I think they took him at 16 because, well, all these other teams were jumping up and he fell to where they wanted. You're right. There's going to probably be three quarterback prospects, Chase Young, likely Jeff Okuda, and Isaiah Simmons. So that's six guys right there. Now, Simmons is a wild card. Brown didn't test all that well. He, there's a lot of people now that are saying he may drop out of that top 10. But either way, if the Browns are sitting there, you have three quarterbacks go, Chase Young go, and Okuda go. Let's just keep with those five. Who's to say that these teams, because all your wide receiver teams, like the Raiders, the Jets, the Colts, they're all after us. So those are the guys that if they want, I can't see CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, Ruggs going in the top 10. I know they run fast, but everybody knew they ran fast. Those are the guys I think that are going to go after the overhaul of offensive linemen. So say Wirfs and um, Jedrick Wells go ahead. And those are the top two guys in the Browns board. Are we really going to take the number three tackle or guard that we have on our board over versus, say, the number one at another position? That's, I think, where you're going to run into the Browns say, no, we're going to trade back. We're going to pick up a second-round pick. We're going to let the Colts come up and get Jordan Love. We're going to let the Raiders come up and get the wide receiver they want. But I can't see the Browns extending the number three, maybe four slot on their board if at that 10 spot, if they drop back and get Andrew Thomas at 14, 15, 16, perfect, lovely. Pick up an extra second because all those guys that are going to fall into the second round are going to be gold mine picks uh, later in that day too. Oh, a hundred percent. I'd love a trade down. Um, but the, the angle that just because someone's the third offensive tackle on someone else's board doesn't mean it might not be the one or two on ours. Um, teams have different boards. Obviously, cornerbacks really diverse in terms of where people rank them uh, based on different people. But I think you'll get the same with offensive tackle. Um, there's people that they like. The third offensive tackle is probably going to be better than the number one, say, um, linebacker, if you call Isaiah Simmons a safety. Um, depending where you look, just because someone's the number three in a class doesn't mean they're worse than the number one in a different position group so for me is see what happens we're under no pressure the browns will have sounded out probably four or five teams by the time we pick at 10 based on who could potentially trade up for different things and what that value is going to be before draft night starts they're going to have an idea 
who wants to move and if they're willing to pay a price that the Browns would agree to. So they're going to do a lot of prep. There's going to be those conversations. Sashi Brown was well known for having all those conversations done. Um, so it's one that we can sit back and enjoy draft night. There is no pressure. We, if, if they sit there and go offensive tackle no matter what, they're going to get somebody. Yes. I don't think they'll do that. They're going to see the value. And if there's the opportunity to trade down, and if the class behind them top five, as they're considered, is good, then they wouldn't mind dipping. And then uh, they drop down a little bit, grab someone, and then, yeah, grab a second one in day two, and then add some other positions and wherever that value might be based on whatever they do in free agency because it's still ridiculously early in the cycle. Yeah, here's the, I have a question for you. And, Paul, I want your take on this as well. Would you be more – how would you view these two scenarios? The Browns at number 10 – trade back to say 15 and take the third or fourth best offensive lineman or the draft goes as we thought three quarterbacks to the Browns say they trade up to number seven with Carolina and give up a third round pick but they get say Jedrick Willis is their number one guy and he is the highest rated guy they have on their board he's the one they want they get wind that Arizona is going to trade eight so somebody can up and get it they hop up not anything major I don't want to future first or second a third round pick to jump up to number seven or even eight maybe and pick the number one guy they want which scenario are you more happy trade down I, i'd never trade up the only way you trade up is if in round one is if you need a quarterback especially around that top area yeah if we're talking like they did for david and joke of sneaking into the back of the second uh the first round that's a different story but in terms of value in the first round you only trade up if you need a quarterback the price is not worth the juice Bulk day two picks. Quite frankly, I, I've said it and I'll say it again here. I used to be down to five positions you take in the first round. Quarterback, defensive end, offensive tackle, tight end, and cornerback. Tight end's gone out of my list now. I've looked at it. Teams aren't that great at stacking where they should go. You get more value later on in lots of cases. That's out of my first round equation. Cornerback is now gone. And that is because teams are also really bad at gauging that difference between the best guys and the other guys. So that is off my list. I'm now down to three, three positions that are on my day one draft list. Quarterback, we don't need one. Defensive end or offensive tackle. And if you don't like either of those guys or where they're at, you just trade out. I would happily never draft in the first round unless you're getting one of those three. Add two or three day three picks instead and just add those picks in the middle because you get so much value for day two, three, uh, sorry, day two picks in the second and third round. Teams don't value them highly enough. So stack loads of talent. If you're having sort of five day two picks every year and you don't have a first round pick, you are going to be in a much better position as a roster. What about you, Paul? Trade up, yeah, trade back. I, I, do, I do agree with Jack. Um, I don't see the benefit of trading up this year. Um, we've got a quarterback, so uh, let the draft come to us. Yeah, and the reason I ask is, here's my theory, is if the Browns have, and they trust in their board, and they have one guy that they have valued, I don't want any monumental moves, right? I don't want us trading up to three to get Chase Young or anything like that. But if the draft just happens to see where you can move up a spot or two and get the number one guy you want, and it's not costing you anything more than maybe a 2021 20, third or a fourth. I don't have a problem with that. That's where I would be more happy with the Browns setting sight with who they want and going to get that person. Because like we've talked about, we have a two year window to win with this team. 
And if we get a guy that's a development guy, and right, my worry is, Jack, that say, you know, Wirfs and Wills go, and the Browns don't have Becton really high because you're right, he doesn't fit the scheme. And Thomas is a development guy that they have valued maybe as a 15 to 20. You overdraft him at 10. That's my worries. I don't want us overdrafting a guy who can't play right away. I'd rather at that point jump up a spot or two or three to get who we want. I think any risk of trading back, if you've got Thomas valued as the 15th best player and you're at 10, I think that's close enough that you can grab him. I don't, I don't see that concern. The issue is you trade back. You've got the Jets that could easily take offensive tackle. You've got a couple of other teams that could grab them. Suddenly you move back five picks and there could have been three on the board at 10 and you get to 15 and there's none. Yeah. And I would say for the value you're going to add of, say moving back of five picks, let's say um, a third round pick. Um, I don't think you get a second there. If you're moving into the 20s, I think you get a second. If you're moving back as far as, say, from 10 to 15, you're probably looking at a third. Um, You're not going to get enough that you get that excited about. So I'd say just take the guy that you want. Um, But to me, I've got no issue with moving back. It depends how big that offensive tackle class is. And I think over the next month, we'll really get a flavor of that. Um, when more comes out of sort of these interviews, how well these players are ranked. Um, well, we're also going to learn there's going to be no consensus. Right now, there's no consensus. There's probably going to be five different tackles that are going to be number one on some team's board just based on scheme. So the Browns are going to have to do their due diligence in determining what tackles are going to fit what team under what scheme because it could be one of those ones where you're not competing against team X or team Y because – Mikai Becton doesn't fit our scheme, but really that's who the Giants want or something like that. Because I see the Giants trading back. Um, you're going to see a lot of movement just with those players. The, the Giants aren't trading back. So Dave Gettleman never has traded back in his entire career. He was asked of why he's never traded back. And he literally threw it off as the off-the-cuff comment of said, oh, well, I'd consider a trade back. He's not considering a trade back. He is taking whoever he wants it for. He's publicly admitted he has a real issue with falling in love with players and he just drafts them he doesn't care if they're overdrafted he goes for it Mackay Becton there would not be a surprise um jumped off the page at the combine and he, he's a bit of a talent grabber um a bit like the school of Dorsey it's not what works best in the scheme how are we going to do this it's just oh that's a talent player let's grab him and uh, who knows what's going to happen it's going to be interesting to see how the Browns rank those guys, but we're getting someone solid. Um, we're not trading up, but yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a trade down in the mix. Yeah. I, I am, I'm almost at about a 70 30. The Browns won't be picking at the number 10 position. Ooh. All right, guys, before we get too deep in the combine, anything else you want to discuss on the combine? Nope. Yeah, I think the only thing else is you're going to see wide receivers going in day three that in other drafts would have normally been day two because that class is deep. There's a lot of guys. So I think one of the Browns maybe hesitations with Hollywood Higgins is there's going to be guys drafted in the fourth, fifth, sixth round that are normally going to be second, third, fourth round guys. Yeah, I think if you're going after Higgins, it's a one-year deal. Um, Then the main reason you'd want a player like Higgins is the Landry injury probably goes into training camp maybe the start of the season. So having someone like Higgins means you're comfortable there. Of If you've got Beckham and Landry, then you've got Higgins and sort of a Ratley, and then you grab a player in, say, 
the end of the third, start of the fourth round. That's your future prospect that's then going to jump up. And then it's between those players who jumps up because one of those two big names is in their final year. So if one of them progresses, whether it's Higgins goes back to pass form or the draft pick really elevates, then it makes moving on from either Landry or OBJ. We'll see what happens next year in a year's time. Much, much easier. Excellent. Ian, who's your name that you want then at the moment? For draft? Yeah. I'm still on the Simmons bad wagon. I want, I, want, I want number 11 from Clemson. I've been standing for him since the Ohio State-Clemson game. I just think he'd be a great fit. And I still am not of the thing that he's going top five. So let's just hope that people like Jack think that I'm only going to draft certain positions in the top 10. I just think there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. But if he's on the board, let's grab him. Where would you play him? So that's a good question. I would probably play him in that, that linebacker safety type of role where you could have him cover out of the slot. You could have him rush off the edge. You could, if you look at his breakdown and position, given his versatility, I mean, if you watch him, so the defensive coordinator at Clemson, Brent Venables, really is one of the top defensive coordinators in all of college football. He has him playing this Swiss Army knife position where, okay, you want to flex out to a tight end, boom, I can step out there and not even be guaranteed that he's going to cover it. He could actually rush off the edge. He just gives you so much versatility. But, again, there's going to be D coordinators out there that are like, and not and the Giants. I don't see how the Giants draft him. What are you going to do with Jabril Peppers? You know, they, they don't, they're different sizes, but they kind of do the similar things. So unless Gettleman's going to trade Peppers, I can't see Simmons going top five. I could see him maybe in that seven, eight, nine range, but you know, there's a good chance he's still on there. I mean, I get the combine four, three, nine with insane. Everybody already knew all that. So that's not changing his draft position with any teams. So that's my guy right now. Oh, I'd love to see a defense of uh, Isaiah Simmons and uh, Peppers either side of a free safety. And then you have like one or two linebackers, traditional sort of linebackers in there. And you do some crazy stuff. But it'll be interesting to see what a team does with Isaiah Simmons. Will he sort of move to a sort of the, a full-on linebacker? Or will you see him more as that third linebacker slash fifth DB and then just rotating around the field based on whatever coverage you want, which allows a lot of scheme flexibility um, without substitution. So especially if you're against a two-minute drill, he offers a lot of upside there. Well, especially since we may have an extra void in the linebacker room. Look at that for a smooth transition. It's beautiful. Joe Schober, all the talk is he's um, definitely left the Browns. Twitter's gone crazy. The only bit of evidence I've got, I said, is it the own? Is it the end to Megan? And she put some tears back. So I think it's over. Jack, I'll let you start with this one because I think you and I are on the same page with on this one. So um, I, I, I saw the news when I woke up this morning and I sat there and I thought, let's look at this. So we've seen everything from 10 million to 15 million a year listed in terms of the number. Um, so I sat there and I thought, well, the first question we've got to ask, how good is he? And that is a great base point for um, where you start. So the people that love him bang on about his coverage skills. The people that don't like him talk about his tackling. So let's just look at last season. Go to PFF and let's look at all the linebackers who played over 50% of snaps. 
in the league. Where did he rank out of the 58 that qualified? 34th. So that's not good. He was in the bottom half. Um, the only area where he actually ranked inside the top 25 of those linebackers was coverage in which he was 16th. But then the one thing I did like about Schobert, especially after his third year, is we'd seen solid progression each and every year, which is really important for a player coming in. And last season, well, the way you divide the line in the season, but it's third season, so the 2018 season, he was ranked really well. It was his best season. And according to PFF, he was the 10th best linebacker in the NFL. His coverage skills were absolutely elite. PFF ranked him as the second best coverage linebacker. But then where did he rank in terms of his tackling? He was the worst linebacker in the NFL um, in that season. So it was the real one thing went through the roof. The other thing hit the floor. It was a real sort of dividing line. And is he elite? No, he's not. You've got Luke Keekley. Uh, Keekley. You've had Bobby Wagner. Those two players were phenomenal. And if you get a player in that bracket, you pay them. They're great at coverage. They can protect against the run. They can do everything. And if they're not in that bracket, you don't really pay them. And that's harsh. It's tough. That's unfortunately where the league is. If you want to be winning Super Bowls and you want to be competing at the top, if you start paying great players as elite players, say goodbye. And the Patriots have always been criticized by people of, oh, why have you got rid of that person? He's doing really well. And then they go to another team and then it's like, oh, they, they just flatline. You can't pay for hope. You pay on what they're going to do on that next deal. And then we look at the position value. It's not that important. Why are teams moving to more nickel and dime? Because you need more DBs on the field because they're better at coverage. So coverage is king. Linebackers aren't elite at coverage. They're not elite at pass rush. They're that tweener that is getting forced off the field. And PFF war, if we look at their wins above replacement metric, linebackers, as I've said before, are the running backs of the defense. Very similar in their value for what they give in terms of wins. So I'm not that interested. Um, and the market, the linebacker market has exploded um, in the last year. Um, you've got Luke Ichi, who was at 8.6%. You've got CJ Mosey, who was at 9%. Bobby Wagner, who was at 9.6%. And that's average per year at time of signing. It allows you to compare different years. Then we've got tier two. So Levante David was already in there and we had lots of players out. We had six new deals. So you've got Dion Jones, Miles Jack, Anthony Barr, Con Alexander, Shaq Thompson, Jalen Smith, all between 7.6 and 6.8% all joined him in that year. And then tier three was all the old contracts. So Christian Kirksey signed a deal in 2017 for 5.7%. Eric Kendricks, 2018 for 5.6%. Benner, Benardrick McKinney, 5.6% in 2018. And then Dante Hightower in 2017 signed a deal that's 5.3%. If you're going to pay Joe Schobert 7.5% and $15 million a year on the cap, that puts him in tier two linebackers. So I'm just going to go through my last bit I'll probably dip onto is let's look at some other players in different position groups that are paid similar amounts. You could have a tier three wide receiver, Alan Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Keenan Allen, Emmanuel Sanders for that money. 
could have the best tight end in the league and one and a half percent of cap space. You could have the best center in the league, one and a half percent of cap space. You could have the number one guard in the league in terms of pay, Andrew Norwell, Zach Martin, Brandon Books, Kevin Zeitler. You could have fourth tier interior D-line, Lyndall Joseph, Cameron Hayward, Akeem Hicks, Stefan Tuitt. You could have tier four edge, Danielle Hunter, Ryan Kerrigan, Carlos Dunlap. You could have a tier three cornerback, Javian Howard, Carl Fuller, Stefan Gilmore, Darius Slay. You could have any of the top safeties in the league. And when I'm talking about tiers, there's about two to five players in each tier. Joe Schobert isn't worth that money. And the linebacker position, more importantly, isn't worth that money. If you're going to spend money and spend 15 million a year on a position group, go get a position group that counts. Where are wins made? Wins are made in wide receiver, edge, corners. Focus on the key positions. Don't spend it on a second-rate position. Um, yes, this front office might have extended Joe Schobert a year ago. When it was 10 million, they could have done it a year early. Him coming off a record year, that might have been the time where they paid him. You can't fault this front office for the last front office error in not paying him. And they have to judge it purely on this time and you don't pay him. And that's just the cold, hard facts of it. Best of luck to Joe. Really like the guy. Happy, really enjoyed his time here. Go get an insane amount of money. And listen, and here's the thing. And that is a great summary of the linebacker market because it's that simple. Joe Schobert should have been extended last year and wasn't. The problem the Browns have is you change staffs. Joe Schobert is a very cerebral player. He's very good at adapting, whether it's to, you know, Ray Horton, Ski, I, mean, I think it was his first DC. And then he had, obviously, Greg Williams. And then he had Steve Wilkes. So he's been very good at adjusting accordingly. But that's the thing I've always said. He's good, not great. He's Dequell Jackson 2.0. He makes tackles three, four yards down the line of scrimmage. And, you know, he's 27 now. And I don't know if you saw the report. Blake Martinez, the inside linebacker from the Packers, came out and said he wants $10 million. So all these guys want paid. I don't think they're necessarily going to get it because you have an oversaturation of the market right now in linebackers. I mean, just in the guys in their late 20s, Jake Ryan just got released from the Jags. Alec Ogletree just got released. Corey Littleton's going to be a free agent. Patrick Awanasur is going to be a free agent. Uh, Hewitt from the Jets. Raglan from the Chiefs. You know, you got all these guys that are going to be free agents in their late 20s. There's, they're not going to get the money they want. I'm still not convinced Schobert is gone, gone, because I think his agent's going to go out there and find out, yeah, you're not really worth that much money. I don't care new cap or not. Until that number comes out, I really haven't even just sealed it up yet. But if he goes somewhere else, best of luck to him. Maybe the Packers sign him to replace Blake Martinez. Best of luck. He performed like a fourth rounder. He made himself into a starter. I love the story, but at the end of the day, he's not worth that much money. And I have no doubt any of those names right there you could put in the Browns defense next year, you're going to get the same production. Really interestingly, our listeners say that 61% believe that it was commercially the uh, right decision to make. Well, yeah. And listen, oh, no, not- sorry, I'm wrong. 91% of us said it was commercially no. Not the they best. want him back. Yeah. Well, and here's what happens. Schobert's agents meet with Andrew Barry at the Combine. They don't hear what they want to hear. The Browns are like, listen, we'll give you our contract in the XY percentage. They're pissed off. They go to Mary Kay Cabot and say, we're leaving. What they're trying to do is rally the fans around pressuring the Browns into giving the contract. I just don't think it's going to happen. His leverage to get the most money is in Cleveland. I just don't see another team looking at Joe Schobert going, that's a guy I want to break the bank for. And for, for the very reasons that Jack laid out.
So yeah, if if we're gonna go spend fifteen million a year, it's like the, we we could Give me get Corey not, Littleton. Yeah, not like the top edge rusher. We can get someone decent. Um, for me, linebacker, go cheap. Get the guy from the Bears, Nick Kowalski K- or something. Kwiatkowski. He's loved Three out here in Chicago. Million. They Three love that guy. Million. Yeah, they you love him out here. Pair that. Give me three and a half million. Give me him. Get me. Um, there's a couple of other names. I've got a massive piece coming out where I've just listed off people you can BJ, get. BJ, BJ Goodman's another one out there. Um, Vince Beagle's another one that's out there. Uh, you got a lot of guys out there in those like mid 20s. Tyler Matikevich from the Steelers is another one I like. I mean, there's a shit ton of linebackers out there. I like Joe Schobert. To be fair, Paul, you know, we love him. Uh, Paul and I sent him and his wife some baby gifts. I got a handwritten note from Megan Schobert, signed it with Joe, thanking us for the gift. I mean, that to me is phenomenal that they actually do that for the fans. I have no doubt that they're wonderful people. We wish them nothing but the best. I will always be a Joe Schobert fan, but at the end of the day, he's not elite. We can't pay him that way. So if he wants to come back to Cleveland, take the contract. Same with Hollywood Higgins. We'll segue there. I want you back, Hollywood, but one-year deal? Come on. There's, that wide receiver class is going to harpoon any free agent value that the wide receivers have. Nobody's going to pay a, a free agent wide receiver. Sammy Watkins. I'll draft one. Jack, have you got any articles coming up on this at all? So I've got an article that's literally land um, titled, and it is my honest feeling, why letting Joe Schobert walk is the tough but right choice to make. Because... I really like Joe Schober and I, I'm going to go cheering for him. And hopefully he gets an eye-watering amount in free agency because that man deserves to get paid. But is paying him the best way to make the Browns into a playoff and Super Bowl winning team? The answer is just no. And it's as simple as that. And unless he's Luke Keekley, um, Bobby Wagner level, in which I'm, I would get on board with paying that money because you're not going to hear me talk positively ever about that traditional linebacker position. But if you have one of those guys that is an absolute outlier and superstar, you pay the guy. Otherwise, you just don't. And, and that's, unfortunately, the cold hard facts. It's the same way I feel about running backs. Uh, Nick Chubb's awesome. I love Nick Chubb as a person. Seems like an amazing guy. Would I pay Nick Chubb? Not a chance. And the way people are, are really warming up and understanding the running back market, I think five years down the line, we'll be at the same place with the linebacker market. The difference with the linebacker market is you've got a couple of elite people that is certainly worth paying, whereas you don't get that with the running back position. But I've then got from tomorrow for it should be for the next 12 days, a massive set of articles. I started work on what would I do with the Browns 53 man roster? Each single position, how would I go about filling from our third quarterback on the list to our fifth edge? everything how would i go about filling it what are the different options out there and which one would i go with so i started work on that it turned into it was six and a half seven thousand word piece so we're releasing it position room by position room we're meant to be starting tomorrow which is monday with the first one and then we're literally just going to drip feed an article a day um, starting at quarterbacks running all the way through to special teams and the conclusion piece but i'm really excited for how that's going to be read um and and I've put people in there that I wouldn't go out and sign, but they are options available to the team. 
and Paul, one thing I want to touch on for Browns fans is a lot of the stuff coming out right now is not just specific to us. I'm just going to run you through some headlines that I jotted down when we get here. Over the course of four hours, Roto World came out and said that Jack Conklin was going to sign with the Jets, then he wasn't going to sign with the Jets. The Bengals are going to tag A.J. Green. The Raiders supposedly want Byron Jones at some insane number. Blake Martinez wants $10 million. The Bears are going to trade for Dalton. Uh, James Bradbury wants $15 million a year, the cornerback from Carolina. Good luck with that. He, I mean, I don't see him getting there. Uh, the Redskins want a day one pick for Trent Williams. Uh, Laramie Tunsil is going to sign a record deal in free agency. Uh, Kenyon Drake, Jack, your favorite guy, he wants $10 million a year. Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. Uh, Shaq Barrett's going to get tagged. Uh, the Colts want Eric. You're getting so much from every team in the league that all of these guys want magical amounts of money that they're not going to get. So, Browns fans, I caution you. A lot of smoke is going to hit the fan, or shit, if you want to use that word, because agents right now are pissed off that their guys aren't getting the numbers from the teams because they know free agent is fool's gold. Fill holes, you're not going to solve problems. So, you know, let's, let's not get all that, you know, too much into it. And the most important part of free agency isn't tier one. You never win by signing tier one free agents unless you're going after a quarterback, which fair enough, if you – go and add one of those elite quarterbacks, that can be enough to take you over the edge. Everything else, you want to avoid that tier one of the uh, free agent market. Tier two and tier three is where you win and you really win big. So if you don't see a sign any of those big names, that should be a positive. That's not a negative. That's a good thing. If we're going out there and spending 15 million on any position in free agency, we haven't done well. Um, so if we go out there and sign 10 players on two to five million, that's really, really good. And that's if they're the right players, that can be the difference between sneaking into the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl. In other Brown news, Odell is in Paris. Randall, ex-Browns, is in Budapest. And last thing, guys, did you see my three-cone Guinness challenge? <laughs> that woman sat there at the side just staring at you thinking, she was like, is this what guy? is this guy doing? I still have to do one of those. I got to pour one in a, in a pint glass and give it a whirlpool. Well, Joe Thomas has oh. messaged me saying he's going to do one in the next couple of weeks. So uh, there you go. See but guys, where can everyone find their details? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jack Duffin, D-U-F-F-I-N. And make sure you go over to dog.land, um, spelled D-A-W-G. Check out my work, but also the great work of Anthony and Jack. Them two guys are brilliant and put up with me. Ian? Ian19. You'll probably tag us, so send your hate mail for me on Joe Schobert, but I still love you, Joe. Wish you nothing but the best. I want to finish up by saying, go Browns. Go Browns. All good? All good. Brilliant.